Sound Design. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the show to help you build your career as a sound engineer. Today is my pleasure to share with you some very valuable conversations that took place between my coaching clients and Dave Swallow, Merlin Van Veen, Bob McCarthy, Darren De La Soul, and Michelle Petinato on the topic of how to find work as a front of house sound engineer on international tours. Now, all of these conversations took place at separate times, but I've edited them together so that you can get five different perspectives on this topic. And I have a very special gift for you. I've compiled all of the tips that you're going to hear on today's show, and you can get those over on sounddesignlive.com by searching for International Tour or by texting me right now at 747-666-5768. And before we get started, I want to give a very special thank you to Amadis, Tim, and Daniel, whose voices you're going to hear along with the other guests in today's show. In fact, the first person you're going to hear now is Amadis asking Dave Swallow about what Dave would do in his position. If you would switch places with me, so you would live in Switzerland in the middle of Europe, but in a high-priced country, and um, you're doing uh, already a lot of work local gigs at clubs um, and with some uh, local bands and you would go you want to go um, further out of Switzerland and do international touring Um, what would be your first steps when trying to contact promoters or trying to get in touch with bands so so when you say international touring what are you what are you what what are we what are we talking about because I mean you can go you can go on tour as a as a, as a front of house guy or as a system tech or as a, as a front of house yes front of house so you, so you want to work directly with the directly with the artist yeah exactly you just need to do lots of gigs with lots of different people because eventually one of them one of them is going to go on tour um, and if you're the right face the right in the right place at the right time then you go with them that's kind of how that's kind of how it's always tended to be I mean, what's the music scene like in, in, in Switzerland? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a problem because there's a lot of international uh, bands coming through Switzerland, but there's yeah. not many Swiss, Swiss bands um, having an international breakthrough. Uh, it's a language thing. It's, yeah, the market is small. So, um, and there's not a lot of bands also who have the money to carry a sound engineer with them on tour. So there yes. are some bands doing touring, but it's on, on this low-budget level, more or less. I mean, obviously the, obviously the two main markets right, right by you are France and Germany, Basel obviously being in quite a good place. So um, the, the bands you work with, are they, are they French or German or do they sing in English? I work with a bit of special stuff, so I have one jazz uh, duo, uh, overtone singer and uh, a drummer with electronics. Um, it's more in this world music uh, kind of genre. Then I work with more in a classical crossover electronic trio. That's there's no singer at all. The local bands normally sing in German, Swiss German, or in uh, yeah. English. It's going to be re- really hard for anybody living or being based where you, where you are to have much international exposure, you know, and re- realistically, unless you're um, in a position where, you know, you've got those bands that are doing international 
tours, um, it's going to be it's going to be hard for you to get on one. What you got to remember as a as, as a sound engineer is your career is dictated to um, by the people you work for. So if they don't go on tour internationally, you need to try and find something else. So I suppose do some research is 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 the first thing. So find out. Which management companies have got? I mean, you, I mean, you must know what Swiss bands are going on tour internationally. Find out who their management is, um, and then approach them that way. There's no point in going to a promoter because the promoter has, um, you know, no say over anything. Um, go go to, go to um, well, they say no quite a lot because it normally involves them spending money. <laughs> no, because also approaching the bands is not. It's uh, I've encountered that's not the way because normally the, also the bands do do not um, choose who they work with or. Well, yeah, they yeah they do, um, but I think if you if you go through a management company, then if you go through their management company, then. Um, it's kind of done in a more official kind of way. If a band's already got a sound guy um, or girl, then, you know, if you're trying to say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm really good, you should take me on tour, you're doing this guy, out of, this guy or girl out of a job if you get the gig, and you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. No one wants to be that guy. Because, you know, you could be on the, you could be on the end of it um at some point in your career and you will be on the end of it at, at some point in your career um but you know you really it's such a small industry it's such a small world you know you don't want to be known as the guy who nicks people's gigs because mm. at some point someone's going to need some cover and it might be that break that you need so for example you know uh you could um get a phone call one day from um you know my friend John Burton saying, um, yeah, we need a guy to cover the prodigy. Um, could you come and do two shows for me? So you don't want to be the guy because he's going to, well, he's going to try and nick my gig. So uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to phone him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and that, you know, and, and it's those relationships that you have with other people. There's the other sound, uh, the other sound crew, in um, in Switzerland and around Switzerland and in London, where um, you know you could get you, you could get those having those relationships and um, will help will help get you to where you want to go. But it is about networking. But um, what relationships have helped you to get front of house jobs? Was it other sound engineers or was it yeah, mainly bands? Yeah, because I mean, as 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 front of house people, you're always you get phone calls saying, "Oh, we need a sound guy for this. We need a sound guy for that." Um, and oh, well, I'm actually I'm I'm busy. I can't do that. But here's a number of someone who might be able to help you. Um, you know, uh, also tour managers and production managers. Um, you know, you never know when somebody's going to need a sound guy. So. You know, if they're if they're there, you know, and and you know, you the problem we have is that we're, you know, we normally live quite far from the people that we work with, so you're not always in these people's minds. So you have to be friends with these people, having like friendly email conversations. 
oh hi you know how's your kids getting on at school that sort of thing I just saw this I thought of you the stuff that you would do to your friends you know because these people are your friends and so it keeps you in keeps you in their mind oh yeah he's a really friendly guy and uh, we should um yeah next time I've got a gig I'm going to put you on it so that's that's really how it works it's those um those relationships you have with um other sound guys there's tour managers production managers um, and if you're kind of cold calling, for example, you'll kind of want to go through management companies and, you know, get your CV looking really good. And so resume, I think that's what they call it, America. Uh, America. He's not in America. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's not. <laughs> right, right. No, I understood you, but thanks for the translation. <laughs> Maybe can just follow up with my second question. What do you think about offering myself to management companies um, for free or for just expenses? Is that a thing... Um, I, get me a foot in the door. people do do it. I mean, I have a, I have a problem with it because it starts setting a precedent and, you know, we've seen it over the last 10 years with music, you know, Oh, um, can we use your music on this, on this film? Um, but we don't have a budget. I'm sorry. Well, why the fuck not? You want some music? You must have a budget somewhere. You know, it's kind of a catch-22, isn't it? Because you want the experience, so offering your services for free gets you the experience. But also what it's doing is it's changing the, uh, the economic environment that everybody, that, that we all have to work in. So, you know, just be careful. I mean, if it's, if it's a one-off gig for a friend down the road, then that's, that's, that's different. But, you know, these people are being paid. To, to, to go and most of the time they're being paid to go and do a show so why sh if they're being paid why why should you not yeah, because i'm lacking that experience of touring so oh i can i can't show them international artists i have already worked with because they're all swiss switzerland based so they're like yeah who is that so It's more or less, more or less to, to get a foot in the door to say, okay, listen, I come for one tour. It's just for this one tour. Maybe it's not for free, but I give you a hundred percent discount this time to be able to, to do one gig. And then afterwards I can build up on, on top of that. I don't know. I think, no, I'm not the expert, but I think you, you'd run the risk of devaluing yourself, right? That yeah. you do it for free for them and like, well, we'll pay you this time, but they give you half of what you would have gotten otherwise, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm working with that issue now where I, when I started my company, I was doing stuff for very little money because it was just me. Now that I have like, you know, a business and gear to pay off and, you know, rent to pay on a you know, storage facility for my gear, it's like, well, I can't afford to do it for that anymore. And they're like, well, but you did it for this you know, two years ago. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> I also you know, do this for a living now. You know, that is the case you then ha you have to work out the point of which you walk away. Of course. You know, that's, that's, that's a, like within any business, that's the most important thing. You know, you can negotiate to a point, but, you know, it's like, well, you know, you're actually now taking the piss out of me. And what, <laughs> um, and what, what ends up happening actually is that the less money you charge, the more work you have to do. Um, I know it, sound, it sounds ridiculous, but, you know, I mean, I think this was a, a question from one of the questions that I read. I don't know if it was a revised one, but um, 
one of the kind of turning points from oh no i think it was a it was an email i i, I sent you nate um just recently but one of the turning points was when i decided that actually fuck this i'm going to actually charge proper money and so what happened i started getting bands that were bigger i didn't have to tour manage drive a van um do merchandise load the truck or anything all i had to do was sound um so i was doing less work and then because i was earning more money it mean it meant i didn't need to find all those little gigs to do in between the slightly bigger gigs and so uh, i could have a month off and not have to worry about it and so you know like taking that kind of conscious decision kind of was was a kind of i mean it's a gamble but you have to have i suppose faith in your own ability so look i am good and this is what i charge um and that's why i've worked with x y and z uh, you know it's that kind of I need to get that. I need to have that experience to be able to charge that kind of money to do this. And you know, it's it is difficult. Actually, because one of the one of the things that bands need, they need somebody who can drive a van, who can uh, tour manage, who can look after the finance stuff, who can do some merchandise, who can do a bit of sound. And that's kind of that's how we always used to get the experience is by doing everything. Um, and you know, cause so some of the, some of those bands that are going to be going out on tour are going to need a person who can drive a van. So, okay, well, look, see what I'll, I'll charge you, um, X for doing the sound and I'll drive the van for free. For me, that's acceptable. <laughs> that's a kind of acceptable level. A lot of it is, is that relationship that you have with your client, um, whether it be an artist or a, or a bank or, uh, you know, production manager, you know, those kind of, those relationships are, are important and you have to be able to um, kind of stick in these people's minds when they're, th- when you're, when you're thinking about getting a job um, or, 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 or sorry, when a new job is coming up, um, they want to think about you and then phone you straight away. I'm kind of a, I'm a big fan of specializing in a, in a, in a skill, you know, I do front of house. I don't do monitors. I used to do monitors, but you have to kind of earn your stripes to get there. And if you need, you know, if you have to, um, you know, clean the toilets at a venue um, just to get to know the sound guys who then might give you a job, it's kind of, it can be worth that, um, that, that journey. But it's, it can be quite hard. It can be quite long. But, you know, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, really. I think it's um, exactly like you said it. Unfortunately, even in 2016, you still need to know the right people or get in touch with the right people or grovel your way um, from the bottom up to the top. And my question is always, who do I contact or where do I find um, people who would hire me? One thing I've learned that is often not the band that is hiring. So it's some production company or touring company that is hiring, doing the hiring, or the tour manager itself. Um, so my question for you is, who would you contact or where do you would find people who would hire you for a tour, for example, a club tour for a band in Europe? Promoters come into mind. In Germany, you have Carsten Janken, which is a big production company over there. You have Scorpion doing Germany. Those are just a couple of names that come into mind, and they do all the productional stuff. Uh, in the Netherlands, you have Mojo, which does 
all the big stuff. So they are they are the production companies. They are the local organizations that do everything from from hospitality to uh, to you name it. Uh, the rental companies come into mind, especially if, if they use local gear. I mean, they're involved in it. More often than not, I, I see every, well, at least a couple of times a week, uh, you see these, these, these uh, last-minute calls in Facebook groups of uh, people asking for an engineer. Uh, we're looking for an engineer there and there and there, and they're in a tight spot, and they're looking for an engineer in the last moment. What would you would be a steps to contact them because you, they don't know you at all. They have a lot of people they know, so usually people always take that stuff or that crew. That yeah, that, that, but that will be always be the the, the, the issue. I think you, you somehow got to get your foot in in the door, and as as hard as it might sound, hoping for that one day that somebody is sick and does not turn up for the job, and they're in a tight spot. And then, I, th I mean, there's no harm in making yourself known. The worst thing that can happen is that they say no, but that's, that's, that, that, that you already have. <laughs> no, you have. Yeah, that's true. Yes, you're looking for. But if people are not aware of your existence, then... Um, and the only thing, the only natural evolution I can think of is that somebody that is in an influential position, sees you working, hears you're doing your stuff and thinks, wow, that has potential, that, that, yeah. that went really well. I think that uh, word of mouth, as it is called in English, unfortunately is still today the only true currency when it comes to somebody's uh, potential and capabilities. A resume doesn't tell you how, how good it will be. I can put anything in a resume I want and it doesn't have to even have to be true. Or maybe it's it's maybe I'm overestimating myself or underestimating myself. Letters of recommendation, on the other hand, are of course uh, always a good thing. If you have somebody backing backing up your claims, if you have letters of recommendation, that's a good thing. I always, I always ask my clients, uh, or if somebody that is influential, like a, 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 another artist that visited one of her concerts, that is a known artist that says, "I really like the sound," then I always ask, "Are you willing to to put that on paper? Or is it all right if I use that as a quote on my website? Are you willing to go public with such a thing?" <laughs> go public. Yeah, that's the ammunition I need. If if a, if a, if a, if, a, if a, a really famous Dutch guitar player says I like your sound, I would like to advertise with that. Yeah. It's stuff like that, and there's no way of telling if it will do you any good. But if you do not try it at all, you for sure never know if it works out to your advantage. So those are a couple of things that come into mind. Well, one thing I've seen is is that it is always. Um important to find the right people so for example i already for example talked to project manager of an av company they're always there's always a project manager for for some project and he will do the hiring so mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you get in their database it doesn't matter if you talk to the um personal resource person because in the end there's a project manager and he will do the hiring most of us will have to really have to grovel and, and, and fight their way <laughs> fight their way to the top and know the right people and, 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 and get the right connections. I can't help thinking of what Nathan said, you have to become so good that people no longer can ignore you. <laughs> and, and, and that might sound that might sound uh, like a uh, like a utopia, but 
what's the alternative? <laughs> the guy that you toured with for uh, 10 years, what relationships did you have that led to that work? Oh, that answer is very simple. He was my father. Okay. <laughs> was and still there, is. There, there's the lucky part, you know? <laughs> Nepotism. Got it. Um, so another question, you mentioned Facebook groups. What Facebook groups are you a part of? I sometimes have a hard time um, giving people good tips about that because I know about the American ones and tours that are, there's one that I'm in that have, has tours coming out of LA, but maybe you know some that are more Eurocentric. The focus of my current work is of course in, in teaching tuning sound systems and designing sound systems. So which has been valuable to me is, is uh, smart life users. Uh, for two, like last minute tours, you had mentioned. On live sound engineers, I've okay. seen on more than one occasion, I've seen last minute calls for engineers and, and, and people even put in there what they will pay you. So it's like, can you show up tomorrow and do this and this and that and we'll pay you this and this and that. Um, so it's all, it always feels urgent. And I've seen that on live sound engineers on more than one occasion. But it's all, I, I always find it hard to get into this UK yeah, but that's 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 the, it's the same problem all over again. It's this this closed circle. It's like the British circle of trust, you know, the British <laughs> circle of audio engineers. And I'm sure there's a Swiss circle of trust, and there's a Dutch circle of trust. They are because it's 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 an industry, but you have these you have these closed you have these islands, and and every country has their you know. I, I pretty much know every engineer in here by name um, because it's, first of all, it's a small country, but it's, it, it's a close community. And uh, the same goes for France or Germany. I would not be surprised at all. And unfortunately, I do not have this, this magic bullet, this, this, this how, how to get in there. If you find it, let me know because... <laughs> Merlin, one more follow-up question. Um, I wanted to ask you about those testimonials. So when that situation happens and the Dutch guitar player says, you said that sounded great, and you say, oh, great, could I uh, use that as a testimonial maybe on my website? What do you do after that? Do you get them to write you something on LinkedIn or do you just write it down and then you put it on your website? What's been... What do you usually what do? I, what I always do is then, if because somebody will verbally approve at at the at the spot of sure uh, no problem or not and then uh what i always do is write a follow-up email either to the representation or to the person directly asking for okay if memory serves this is what you said um i will paraphrase it or whatever uh will you uh, agree with me uh, if I put it on my website like this, or do you want to have it edited, or do you have to, have you changed your mind completely and, and on second thought? But those kind of sound bites, if you will, or, or or those kind of, I think they they not only make your website richer, but again, it's people backing up that you're that you're capable. The way you have to look at is. Who is in who is in the upstreams that that are the closest to where you are? For example, the Montreux Jazz Festival is not far from you. That's a that's a, a high stream. That's a place where artists. What do you got? 50, 50 artists run through that venue in a month. If you can get some, if you could get some kind of relationship to that festival 
next summer, for example, that would be an ideal opportunity to meet a whole bunch of people that are that are hitting through that stream, but are really they're part of the international community. You know, Switzerland is a is a in a, in many ways is super international, but it's also super insulated. Um, yeah, that's true. That's, that's a big problem also with Swiss artists. The Swiss artists don't get to get out of Switzerland. So exactly. if you want to get international, the Swiss artists maybe aren't uh, the, the right people. I don't know. Right. So for you to break out of the of the local Swiss community and to get into into the larger international, you've got to find places where the international world intersects with Switzerland and that it may be those festivals, it might be some other things, or it might mean you know packing yourself up and knocking on the door at the pool group in Germany or something, uh, you know, one of these big international touring houses, you got to knock on their door. They don't, they're not going to come to you. You got to knock on their door and hopefully impress them. Uh, if you're ready to, you know, to go international, you, you kind of, I hope you got light baggage. Um, if you've got a, a wife and children at home, that's going to be difficult to launch, uh, because that you're going to have to get your suitcase and, and get into one of those touring companies that put people on the road. And that's my sort of take on it. You've got the various you know, touring houses in Germany. You've got the, the touring houses in England. That's a, certainly a powerhouse. You've got Capital Sound. You've got Britannia Row. You've got these places. They're not easy places to walk into, but they're also the kind of places where if you walk into on the right day at the right time, you might be on a bus tomorrow. That's how crazy that part of the industry can be. And it's not quite the wild, wild west of the days when I joined the touring industry, which literally had stories of people uh, be washing their clothes in a laundromat and the tour bus, which was a van, uh, saying, you know, we need a guy. And the guy puts his stuff in the suitcase and and off he goes on tour with ZZ Top. These are real stories. They really did happen in the 1970s. Probably not too typical now, but you've got training. You've got, so you've got an educational pedigree and you've got experience. And if you've got a light suitcase, then you, you can you know, just start knocking on those doors because you have enough background if you can prove that you're ready to travel and ready to be part of a, of a team. So what happened? have to start off with something pretty crappy, you know, running mics or running wireless. But once you're on the in that orbit and you hang out, you'll get the good work. The way I see it is the front of house mixer gets their job one of two principal ways. One is that they started with that band when that band was playing bars and garages. So good luck with that. That's like winning the lottery. Okay. And the other is that they came through the touring company and they were on the stage doing the work. They were all doing the monitors and they developed a rapport, rapport with, the, with the artists doing the monitors and then the, came the opportunity to become the front house. You look at people like ML Procise, you look at people like uh, Buford, um, so many of these people started on the stage started with the sound company 
and then the the sound company, the the artists get a sense of trust of these people. And that's the number one thing that they want is trust that this person can, can, can listen to them and hear them and interact with them and interpret their music to the people. They're much more looking for that than, than super hot shot technical chops. <laughs> they got to first and foremost know that you're a, a cool guy that gets their music. That's what made me totally not a fit as a monitor engineer. <laughs> I was way too like thinking, you know, and super concentrating on DB and, and frequency and, and all this analytical stuff. And I got kicked off of my monitoring because I wasn't dancing. <laughs> and if they would have seen me dance they would have kicked me off too for dancing uh, that's good right well um, I think all three of those options are good um, the problem that you'll find is that if you've got a band that doesn't have their own sound engineer it's probably because they can't afford one you know most bands who can afford an engineer will have one so trying to meet bands and work with them. If you really want to do that, you need to pick a band that you really think is going to make it <laughs> and put in the legwork when they can't afford to pay you more than a few, you know, more than a pittance a night. Um, that's a tough thing to predict. That's a very tough thing to predict or that you like the music of enough that you really, you know, feel like it's worth your while investing in the, in the music. Um, Trying to get that, you know, steal other bands or for other engineers is also quite hard. Um, <laughs> you, you're saying most, you tried? No, I've, I've done I've done a bit of stealing, but uh, the it's it's you know you stealing bands is also something that really gets you a bad reputation amongst other engineers. So you don't want to be nicking bands if you can help it. Clubs are probably best because you've had a chance to actually work with them all day, you know, through a full sound check, through a full day, you know, whereas at a festival you may or may not even meet half the band. If you're front of house, you probably haven't even met the band. Um, monitors, you might meet a band, but also the chances of you doing a good enough job on festival monitors to be asked to go and tour with them, you know, you've got less of a chance to show off your skills, I think. Well, certainly from their perspective, I mean, from an engineer's yeah, perspective, <laughs> skills are massive and to be appreciated but from a band's perspective they may not notice you know they, they might say they may not notice how good you are because it's, they've not had a sound check and it's all just been on stage yeah. um but what i'm saying as well is is that the, the fact that you've got bands who don't have their own engineer probably means they can't afford one so if you want to be if you you know if you fall in love with the band and by you know by all means offer to work with them and and you know get a fair split of whatever money is available. But in the UK, that money can be, you know, £50 for a gig and there's six people in the band and a manager and you. <laughs> so, you know, getting your fair share is probably £8, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know those gigs. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you do happen to fall in love with a band, why not? Just go and do it because you love it. Yeah. And hope that they go somewhere and that the money gets better as you go along and just have some kind of deal in place that as they get paid more money, you get paid more money. Um, but that can, you know, that can also turn very sour, those yeah. kinds of relationships. So what I've, I've seen a lot of people experience is, is if you're the one who's volunteered to go, okay, cool, I really like your music, I'm going to work for you for free or for very little money until such time as you can pay me. 
such time as you can pay me is probably when they get signed and then the label are going to chuck you out and get yourself, get them another engineer that they know and trust. So I think each of them, you just need to try at your own. And if you are working in a venue, it's probably the best way to connect and talk because you've got time. In my experience, a lot of the smaller bands I work with, uh, even if they don't have their own touring crew, they most of them at least have an artist manager. And those have been my best friends. Because um, even the other thing is I've, I've noticed over the past few years that w- those relationships, if you can keep them good, the bands will come and go, but the artist managers stay in the business. And when that band's gone, the next band that they're doing, they, if they remembered you, that's how you kind of start jumping um, from one to the next. And they're usually managing more than one artist. So if you impress them on one artist, they may roll you over to one of their other ones, which was a big thing for me to realize because they always drove me crazy. Like they would show up at rehearsals and they're making stupid comments and asking you, you know, hey, can we move that speaker? I can't see the guitar player. You know, I don't know. They're always the most people <laughs> in the world at rehearsals. Um, and it's really easy as an engineer to get kind of arrogant and blow them off. But like hindsight, I was like, those people are, can be your paycheck. <laughs> So, Daniel, talk about how some of those relationships happened. So, did you meet the artist and then through the artist, you met the artist manager or which came first and how did you get the job? Uh, In my case, these all came on tours where I was hired to do the tour um, either through the production company or the company that owned the tour. So, it was one of those deals. These are bands that maybe didn't have their own engineer or they just weren't carrying their engineer on that tour because of the nature of it. And... um, like the sound company had hired me to do it. So I had a relationship with the sound company. That's how I got the gig. But then I do, so we're doing a a small tour through the process of doing that tour. I get to know the band. um, I get to know the artist manager. And then when that tour is over, they call me to come do shows directly for them. Okay. Um, That, that happens with me a lot. Cause I I just, I know the stories are there. My, My personal experience is that, and the, I don't know anybody in recent history that that I know of who really gets legitimate gigs anymore from like, oh, this band came through my club and then they asked me to come on the road with them. Like all those stories I hear from a decade ago or more, you know, I, I'm sure it happens. It's just not what I see. Most of my gigs came from like, I, I somehow got a job for the band, not necessarily working directly for them, but on a gig with them. Um, and I had the, the time to get to uh, know them over time. And on the whole influence thing, just with most of the bands that I work with, they seem like um, they influence to the extent that after you've been hired, they will tell the manager whether or not you should be fired. But they rarely actually go, like, I've, I've had very few bands actually call up their manager and say, hey, we want you to hire Daniel. Okay. Um, but after I do a couple gigs, they will call and say, hey, we really love that guy, keep him around. Yeah. So that's where it becomes important. But getting your first initial foot in the door for me has always been either the connection with the production company, the connection with the manager, all those behind the scenes people making the decision. Okay. So working for the rental company is a very good way as well because uh, I totally agree there because um, you might not, when you get, you know, get to know a PA company, work with them a while, you might be sent out on a small tour first as a babysitter, so you're looking after the desk or the whatever and not actually mixing. But what you might find is that all the support bands don't have an engineer with them. So you then volunteer for you know, an extra few bucks a night, you, it'll, you know, you volunteer to, to mix, to be support bands, um, do their monitors, and especially if you do their monitors because you get to know them better. And, you know, don't expect a lot of money for it because, but you're there anyway, not doing anything else except maybe sitting in the canteen, so you might as well be mixing. Um, and then that's the way quite a few people then go, okay, the support band will then become, you know, a, bit, a better known band and they remember you and they take you off at that point. 
Daniel, I want to ask you one more follow-up question, and then I want to share a story, and then I'll let you talk again, Amadis. So, uh, Daniel, if you were to switch places with Amadis and you were to move to Switzerland and he were to move to Nashville, would you, as one of your strategies, do you think you would try to seek out uh, the artist management around Switzerland or around Europe? I don't know. I think I would probably start with the production companies. Uh, I feel like that's where I would actually get my foot in the door because I feel like cold calling artist management is going to be kind of akin to cold calling a band. They just, they, the artist managers are great, but you have to have a soft introduction to them. They have to have some reason to, to want to pay attention to you. My first thing would be to probably start hitting up the production companies, hitting up those and then trying to, um, use that to get myself into a situation where I'm on gigs, I'm working the festivals. But then again, like when you're working the festivals, you're not focused on trying to make best friends with the lead singer. He doesn't matter. You're focused on trying to make best friends with whoever's running their merch and whoever is running all the stuff behind the scenes for them, because those are the people who are actually making decisions around them. And the other thing that I found is that if you're talking about a band that's small enough that they have no crew and they don't have the money to hire you anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. And so for me, it's just all been about making, finding those relationships with the people who, despite a single band coming up or down, or even my corporate events, despite a certain company going up or down, these people are always working. The production companies are always doing stuff. The management companies are always doing stuff. There's, and the clubs are always doing stuff. Um, the band come and go, you know. It's not so much the bands that he wants to meet. If, if he's already got experience mixing live sound and he's looking to do some, some touring, then it's the production managers and the tour managers that he wants to make connections with because they're the ones that are doing the hiring. Um, bands are usually, you know, in a band is a position where they need a sound engineer. Um, if they haven't had any, like if it's their first sound engineer and they're, they're kind of just starting out and on their way up, a lot of those people end up either they're friends of the band, there's someone that the band knows, or it happens to be they played um, a certain club and the house sound guy did an amazing job that night and happened to say, hey, if you guys ever need anybody, here's my card. And so many people get jobs because that happens. They're in the right place at the right time. The band is just about ready to hire someone and and you did their, you know, you did the job that night and, and you're ready to go. So that's how people get gigs. Um, but generally, uh, what will happen is they'll have, you know, when they're in a position to hire someone, it falls on the tour manager or the production manager to find that person. And the first thing they do is contact people that they know. Um, and if none of those people are available, then they'll look for recommendations from people that they know. So I think festivals is a great way. Like if you're working, you know, a, a stage at a, a festival, just every production manager and tour manager that comes through hey, I'm a sound engineer. If you guys ever need anybody, here's my number. Um, just, you know, meet everybody you can. And also the local venue. So if there's a venue that he works, whether it's a club or a theater, anything that touring bands come through on a regular basis, same thing. Just give your, your name and number to every single one that comes through and say, <laughs> you need somebody, yeah. call me. And, and you have to be ready to go. That's the other thing too. It's like someone could say, hey, you know, we just fired our guy last night. Can you, can you join the tour? You know, you've got to be ready to go make that commitment. So those are two great ideas. Um, the other thing is just kind of, you know, research the, uh, the trade magazines, you know, like live sound load in international that will show you who all the players are, like who are the production managers and the tour managers out yeah. on these, on these tours. And, you know, sometimes you'll find contact info in there. Um, LinkedIn is great. Uh, just to kind of get your name out there. 
but it's more of just handing out your name and number. You've got to make a personal connection with these people. Like you've got to build some sort of relationship. So whether that's, you know, you give them your number and then, Hey, a week from now, I just call you up and say, Hey, remember me? We, we met last week and I'm just checking in to see if you need anybody. And you just kind of do that on a regular basis to keep yourself fresh in their mind because you never know when you call them right after someone calls and says, Hey, we need a sound man. And then you happen to be the next phone call and they're like, Hey, well, this band just called and said they need somebody, you know, do you want to do it? Yeah. So you've got to, you got to form like a relationship and whether if you can meet with these people on a regular basis, face to face or via email or whatever it is to keep yourself yeah. fresh. In mind. Well, let's talk about building relationships for a second, because the best opportunities are where you meet someone kind of at the same level. Like mm-hmm. you're mixing the opening band, the tour manager for the headlining band is there. You talk to him and say, Hey, I love what you guys are doing. And here's my contact. Perfect. That's the kind of situation you want to be in where you, they see you're already at that level and you're ready. You're just, you're on deck basically right. to take the next step. There's a lot of other situations though, where if you're someone that's kind of remote and you are not living in a London or a uh, Los Angeles or New York, uh, those situations might be a little harder to come by. So I'm wondering if it would be successful or even appropriate to contact people that you could find on LinkedIn or through their websites and kind of pitch to them and say, here's the kind of projects I like working on. I just wanted to let you know that here I am in Switzerland, ready to do work if it comes through, or even if you guys come through and you need some help or whatever, you know, kind of just making yourself available. Is that too crazy that you could start building a relationship online that then could go offline instead of the other way around? Right. I don't think anything's too crazy. I mean, there's, there's just no, there's no one direct path into the business and into touring. So I think just covering every base that you can, you never know when that connects, you know, that connection is going to come from where, where, you know, one contact, you know, whether it's like your uncle's cousin happens to have a band that's suddenly, you know, he's, he's a band's manager that you never even knew. And, and now they need a sound engineer and you just tell everybody, that you meet, what your goals are, what you're looking to do. And you just never know where that one contact's going to come through and, and get you where you need to be. So I don't think anything's too crazy. I think that the people who actually succeed are the ones who are just trying to tap out every single avenue they can think of to make those contacts and those connections. Like I know a few people who, who reach out to, like they'll make one or two contacts in the industry and they'll ask them, you know, hey, I, I live in this country and do you have any connections with this artist that's coming through? I would just like to meet their touring staff, um, see if I can help them out, you know, if there's anything they need. And I'm just trying to build my contact base. Can you introduce me to anybody, you know, on this, on this tour? And then they happen to know the wardrobe person and they introduce you to them. So then you go out and meet them. They introduce you to a few more people. I mean, whatever you can do, what any, any avenue you can think of to meet more people in the business and in, you know, the area that you're trying to get into, there's, it doesn't hurt to try. Sound design. Thanks so much to Steve Knotts for the excellent music in today's podcast. You can find more of his music at soundcloud.com slash Steve Knotts. That's S-T-E-V-E-K-N-O-T-S.